So this is your show. I'm going to let you lead it. Yeah. I'm going to let you. Yeah. I'm driving. You're color commentary. So you occasionally have to go, ah! <laughs> like, like, I'll scream and I'll talk yeah. about puppies. Puppies. And, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna impress you with my host skills. Are you ready for that? I cannot wait. I thought of the perfect intro for what this show is about. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear it. Okay, so here goes. So Vic, you got video games. You play them. Yeah. And you can yeah. make you can make movies about them. But True. did you know that you could make a podcast about them? <laughs> and so that's that's what we're gonna do here on <laughs> video games the podcast <laughs> um so a lot of people are probably wondering what that is um because it's probably popping up i think it's gonna pop up in the virtual theater podcast uh feed because the reason being is this is going to be a very infrequent and kind of informal podcasts between me gooey fame and my buddy vic hey vic this is hey goo this is just <laughs> like a some bonus content this is bonus and it's and you know virtual theater we have a um a pa- patreon and this isn't even on that this is how bonus it is it's free we're just giving this away free bonus content wow. because like like we said this is a podcast i'm sure you're familiar with that but um, for us, for for you and me, it's just kind of a. This is our. It, we're treating this as sort of a book club, but for video games. So we're going to be playing uh, some just classic games, and and whenever we get done with them, however long it takes, it could be. It's taken months to get this one together. Months um, at this point. Yeah, I finished this in the summer, actually, in like June. Um, but it's just kind of an excuse was... for us to like sit down and talk about stuff gotta be honest you recommended this game as one of the best games of all time um <laughs> yeah. and uh i was like oh yeah cool and and you threw the idea of the podcast out to me which quick side note i love the idea of someone stumbling across this <laughs> somehow piece, this audio file and being like what's a podcast i've never heard of a podcast <laughs> well just before. in case it's like um, on in public somewhere you know like <laughs> Listening to podcasts aloud with no headphones in public? I've seen okay, well, here's here's a podcast story. I've I've worked in like, you know, kitchens before and you know, sometimes you listen to music, sometimes someone will throw out a podcast. That's a bold that's a very, very bold move. It it is I can't but... think of a single situation where I would be near coworkers and I would say, Hey, people who I only kind of sort of know let's listen to this very long conversation between two strangers about something very niche um it's like that's a bold move you gotta know the vibe you know and i think it's it's been successfully done before for sure so just in case you're in a pizza kitchen somewhere and your coworker put on this weird podcast now you know that it's Yes, it's about video games. You can do a podcast about video games. This is the first one, so... Um. <laughs> first one ever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, this is... Oh, we're... we're it's also just, uh, you know, t- 
two people talking because that's also what podcasts are. People complain about there's too many podcasts in the world, but I actually think there could be an infinite amount of podcasts because that's just the world we live in today. We've got these recording tools and you might as well just use them to talk to your friends. There are billions of people on the planet and why shouldn't <laughs> each and every one of them record into a microphone uh, whenever they feel like it. Yeah. That's, that's your right as a human being, as a citizen of the world. So that's that's like a background on us too, because uh, you and I we we've done that we've done that we're um, veterans of this at this point. You could you could say we're uh, seasoned. We're both. Um, uh, we've got a little bit of gristle in our cast iron skillet. You could say that. <laughs> so uh, we know each other through music initially, but then wrestling because we did our wrestling podcast, which was I think the first wrestling podcast and. Because it had it had such a definitive name too, pro wrestling required viewing. We kind of presented all of the things that were required viewing. Nothing was not obviously. Um, Wasn't anything else left to talk about? We covered all of the wrestling. Um, yeah, so we had to hang it up. Yeah, wrestling it, it ended and it, it is back now. But I think you know someone else has to kind of pick up the the mantle. We're retired. We're retired. Our jerseys <laughs> are hanging in the rafters. Uh, it's time for some new. Freshman to take over. Yeah, but yeah, we've had we've had a good uh, connection on games too, which has been fun. We got we played some Minecraft, and you know, it was like it was a good just hang out again. That was a good. That was like almost like the transitional period of podcasts for us. Okay, so so that brings me to so number one, I was saying so you recommended uh, this episode's game. Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, uh, like in May, maybe or June. Yeah, and you're like, hey, we should. You you pitched it to me, and I was like, yes, hell yeah, that sounds great. And then <laughs> I just didn't play the game at all. Like you recommended it to me, and you're like, oh, it's gonna be great. I heard great things about this game, and then I just nothing. Uh, about you didn't take it, it seriously. But, I mean, I was just like, <laughs> you know what? I'll get to it. Um, but before we get into the actual game, I guess that's maybe a good question because it's been COVID for the last 18 months. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know about you. I have played maybe more video games in my entire adult life in the last 18 months than I have the other 13 yeah? or 14 okay. years. I've definitely had moments like that. See with me, I'm always playing stuff cause I'm, I'm always making, <laughs> I'm making videos for Zelda dungeon. Now I have my own, um, YouTube series as well. Which maybe I'll put this on there too. How about that? Ooh. So, um, but like, but that's uh, I'm usually always playing like Zelda games, and then like every once in a while I get like sucked into a, a different game. But um, I'm just I have this need almost when I have like free time to like schedule something to do. You know what I mean? To like give myself a project or something. You know? And now that I, after all these years of like figuring out how to do podcasts and stuff like that. It's like, oh, make a podcast about it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have that brain now, you know? Um, And so I think it was in May or something where I was like, I was just like, oh yeah, I want to, I just want to play some, something classic, you know? And I almost felt like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, just uh, not necessarily start a podcast, but like, you know, it was more an idea of like, I'll reach out to Vic and, you know, maybe we can play this game together and we'll, you know, ha- just be able to talk about it. Because that's always a good feeling, too, is when you're like, 
you know, are playing something and everyone's talking about it. And that usually happens a lot with new games, but that doesn't, you don't get it as much if you go back and play Symphony of the Night. Sure, it's a classic, but like not everyone is just like thinking about it at that moment, you know? Not a ton of, yeah, not a ton of discourse, not a ton of content coming out regarding Castlevania Symphony of the Night in 2021, for sure. But you, you've been gaming hard, though, like you said. I mean, I so so I know you and I are kind of like uh, on opposite sides of the coin. Um, in my day-to-day life, I don't talk about video games that much. Uh, my wife uh, and friend of the show, Amanda, also plays video games. Uh, she's playing, I think, The Sims 4 right now as we speak. So I'll talk right with on. her. Um, and occasionally I'll talk with my students, um, but there's not a ton of, uh, I, I maybe have a couple other friends, uh, aside from you that I talk about video games with a little, uh, but a lot of my friends don't like video games, um, or at work, I'm just like surrounded by people who for the most part are, that's just, they're adults. They don't play video games. Um, and I think you have maybe a few more people in your corner that are yeah. talking about video games most of the day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it is it's usually very focused on Zelda and and more even more so Nintendo, um, which is actually uh, maybe throw that in there a little bit is like another kind of reason for I was like, I want to hit some classics. One is because they're there's usually a lot of them are pretty easy to come across now. Well, not like classic ones are not like rare old games, but, but also like I have, I I have some blind spots of like gaming that I've like only briefly dipped into. And, you know, I've owned a couple like non Nintendo consoles in my life. You know, I had a PS2, PS4 and a 360, but like for the most part, you know, my major touchstones are like Nintendo games. And, you know, so I personally wanted to like, not every game we do is going to, not be a Nintendo game because they made many classics, obviously, but I wanted to kind of <laughs> touch on, you know, other, other air, like a lot of the PS one is kind of stuff. I only played a little bit at my cousins. You know what I mean? Like I just sure, saw glimpses yes. of these games. and was like, Whoa, I don't know what your, you know, what's your history with games. Like in, I, we had like a variety of uh, consoles. When I was like a, a kid, kid, we had like a, just Nintendo stuff, uh, regular Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, Nintendo sixty four. Mm, At yeah. some point, we got like a, a PS two, uh, and then I remember there was a Kmart that had PS ones on sale. Uh, but for the most part, it was like Nintendo, and then like PS. When we got the PS two, then we were like solidly a PlayStation house. Okay, right um, on. so I never had like a Sega Genesis. Um, yeah. I never had like a Dreamcast or a Sega Saturn, um, and I didn't have I didn't play a lot of PS One games. Uh, so we have a few others on the list that I would love to talk about someday. Uh, I am about sixty hours into Final Fantasy Tactics. Yes. Um, okay. So like stuff like that. Um, but, but I had never, other than people seeing, other than seeing people talk about this game, I had never touched it until you were like, "Hey, you want to you want to play this game?" Yes. So hopefully we're going to do some of that, but also we'll revisit some games that we've either one of us have played or both of us played. It doesn't matter. I think the only criteria we've established is that it's like, uh, like ones we're, we're, I think I've, I made this reference to you, but we're trying to do like the, the Moby Dicks of video games, you know, just those like time honored classics, you know, so ones that are at least like 10 years old and kind of in the canon, you know. 
I mean, uh, I think you nailed it on the head with the book club idea. My mom uh, and my aunts literally just Google every time they get together, like, best books of all time. And then <laughs> yeah, they just kind of, go. like, go down that list until they find one that uh, collectively none of them have read. Uh, and then they read that book, whatever it is. Yeah, um, that's a great – That's just, a, and some people might think that's basic, but I think that's also a great way to do it because – you know, you're um, just becoming more culturally literate, right? I haven't played it. It's new to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what, you know, what that's what we're going to do here pretty much. Um, and uh, so we, we might as well get into it, I guess, right? Let's get into it. Okay. So, like I said, I, I'm sure everyone can tell by now, but we are talking about the game Castlevania Symphony of the Night, um, which was published by Konami uh, originally for the Sony PlayStation in 1997. Um, do you do you have any um, like history with the Castlevania series at all? Uh, I played Super Castlevania on like the SNES um, classic okay. that came out. Um, and I, I have watched a couple internet videos about like Castlevania two Simon's quest. Is that what it's called? Yes. Um, I I always thought there's like that weird moment in that game where like you have to stand in a certain spot for a weird period of time. And then like a tornado appears. And I always thought that was neat. I'm just like, wow, what a weird cryptic thing. Um, but other than playing super Castlevania, uh, I never played any other Castlevania games. Okay, cool. Yeah, I so my my first console uh was the NES and I did have those on there, but I was very young. Um but I did like those. Um particularly I think the third one I played a lot and I remember the first one. Um and I you know, I have like memories of that game and like the look is very cool and the music kind of ingrained in my in my head. But um, I after I played this, I went back and got that original the collection of like all the NES, Super Nintendo, Game Boy games, and I I tried all of them out and I beat a few. But like, it's funny thinking about playing those as like a four year old or whatever, because like I I got up for example to like the first boss in the first Castlevania, and like I was like I definitely did not get past here. <laughs> You know what I mean? But uh, where it's like it was like tricky, but I got it as an adult. But there's like no way. But I guess that was a lot of like four year old video game playing was just like walking around and like dying on the first level. Yeah, I had uh, the very first Metroid on Nintendo and I had no fucking clue what to do. I would just sort of like uh, walk to the left as far as I could. And then I remember walking to the right and like maybe falling down and then dying. She's like, well, that's it. That's as far as I'm ever going to get in this game. And I literally, I haven't played it since then. Um, as a child, forget about it. My yeah. child brain was never going <laughs> to comprehend what to do. So yeah, I've always, yeah, I've always wanted to get into the series. Um, especially after, well, um, I watched the Netflix show and I really enjoyed it. And so, and it's, you know, a lot of that, um, a lot of that things are taken from the game and put into uh, this game specifically and put into it. And a lot of people saying it's one of the greatest games of all time. It was like, okay, this is going to the top of my list. I kind of had like 
the itch to play it, you know? You know when you see something and you kind of, like, see a movie or something and you're like, want to know more about it? <laughs> you had the itch for this. Yes. Um, have you have you played a lot of other games like this? I mean, we'll talk about, you know, it kind of spawned, like, um, a legacy of, like, a genre almost. Um, were you kind of, was this, like, familiar to you? Talking about... Uh, the genre of video games known as metroidvanias yes (laughs) uh man i think yeah i'm trying to think of like more recently um i played who uh guacamelee a while ago did you ever play that game i have not played it no it looks fun though Uh, so that's like the actually the perfect venn diagram cross of uh, the old podcast and the new podcast because you're playing as a luchador, but it is very Whoa. much a Metroidvania <laughs> game um, where you get you're you're opening up the grid map and you get new abilities along the way. Um, I did also um, was it during COVID times? I beat Super Metroid, uh, which is like now one of my favorite games. Like I love Super Metroid. I love right the on. atmosphere. I love the graphics. Um, and and so you could immediately see, okay, this Castlevania game. Because the other Castlevania games uh not really like this, right? No. Um, so that's actually, I guess we can, the games in that collection that I was talking about up until this point were all linear, for the most part, levels. Like just an action, you know, linear action platformer almost game. And then this game it introduced like this whole non-linear world and everything, you know, not levels, but this, this whole world. Right. Right. Which is like a uh, open world before open world. Cause you could basically go anywhere to an extent and sort of do anything. Like uh, there's nothing that says you have to go this way or that way. You kind of yes, just like yeah. start moving, uh, which is like so fun. Uh, it's really, it was very satisfying to just be like, all right, I'm just going to walk in this direction and see what happens. <laughs> Um, so you definitely, you, you've played games similar to this. So was it, it was probably kind of interesting to see like, you know, where, where, where a lot of it probably was inspired by. I was actually, um, uh, thinking about the other day, I was thinking about like the term Metroidvania and how like, oh, it's kind of weird that Castlevania gets half of the title of this genre, uh, because most Castlevania games are not like this and then i was like oh okay so when we say uh metroidvania we're really talking about just kind of this castlevania Mm. and then uh those all those first metroid games well no there there is um there's a more specific reason for it actually oh please please hit me with (laughs) it so uh after this um there was a run of games on the game boy advanced that were highly inspired by this that are you know trying to kind of recapture this and it's in uh, yeah while as on consoles like on uh Nintendo 64 and stuff like that they kind of they tried to go in some like more 3D game directions but um a lot of the games on Game Boy Advance there's some where they had the same designer and stuff like that and they were of this ilk and um, the term was actually originally created um, online on like forums, and it was between people who were trying to distinguish between, I think they were saying classic vanias and then like this new style um, that is sim- more similar to Metroid. 
Look at you. Look at you doing the research on this. I've put my researcher cap on. There's um, classic Vanias, and then there's Metroidvanias. Yes. And then, you know, 10 years later, there's people inspired by these games, and they start making, you know, more like it. And, you know, now you got a genre popping up. <laughs> now you got a genre going. That's, uh, after playing this, I was like, okay. Uh, there have been a couple games on my list, Hollow Knight, The Messenger, uh, a couple other games. I'm like, okay, I need to like start playing these games because this game was so fun. Yes. Well, and I will say, I told you about it already, but that, that Game Boy Advance collection of Castlevania games on the Switch <laughs> is a lot of fun. Particularly, the first one on it is a little weird, but the other two are, I think they nailed it a little bit more. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. But yeah, I, you know, for me, I, I didn't play I I didn't play um, uh, Super Metroid before this because I only I I honestly feel like I've I've not played it, but I feel like it deserves its own like kind of episode, you know. And I didn't want to like lump it in or anything, so I I kind of avoided it. Though I am playing the new one, um, but other than that, I hadn't played a lot of Met- what's that. Metroid Dread. You're playing Metroid Dread. Yes, Metroid Dread. I I have been playing that. And it's a lot of fun, but I, I was trying to avoid, you know, bringing in, bringing Metroid into this, but otherwise I hadn't played a lot of, um, Metroidvania style games before coming to this, which is kind of weird. Cause, um, I love Zelda games and particularly because of like the dungeons. And I feel like, you know, that's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of that na- non-linear navigation, is a thing I love. Sure. And so every every time I kind of, you know, thought about these sort of games, they always really appealed to me. Um, another, another thing that appealed to me was that. And so I don't know. I don't know why it took so long to kind of kind of pull the trigger on it, but I got here, you know, <laughs> very glad you pulled that trigger. <laughs> yes. So let me tell you, this game is actually, uh, you probably caught on to this, um, but it's actually a sequel um, to a specific game. Uh, it's got a lot of different names and different versions, but, um, it's called Rondo of Blood. Um, and yes. it actually, it actually kind of, which is where they actually developed a lot of like assets and stuff was from that. And they kind of brought them into this, but the, the story of the game actually begins with the ending of that game, uh, in which, uh, Richter Belmont, uh, defeats Dracula. Um, I, I'm guessing you could probably tell that this was a continuation, right? I mean, you based... Yes, yes. From the first couple minutes, uh, I knew that something was going on, and I do remember thinking, like, <clears throat> didn't realize these were, like, chronolog- chronological stories. Yeah. Um, you don't really need... I mean, I didn't play Rondo of Blood um, to... to I had no context of the backstory at all, so you don't really need that to enjoy this game. Did it help at all? Where you were like, "Oh shit!" I, I uh, was there more context. I didn't play it all no? the way through, though. There is a nice little package with it and Symphony um, on uh, the PlayStation. They sell them as a bundle, and then there's also a different version of it, I believe, um, in that a- advanced collection. Um, there's, like I said, there's so- little like versions of that game. I was looking uh, for the most like true experience, and I did see. So you got like the PS4 collection yes. with both of these on it. Yeah, I didn't have like uh, which the cheesy original, I guess, um, 
voice acting. So I did not have that. I don't blame you because the PS4, you get two games for the same cost. I still have my PS3 hooked up, and I did get, like, the original one uh, with, like, the, the very bad voice acting. <laughs> I, that's um, cool, though. I, I, I would love to experience that, too. I mean, it's uh, it's got that, like, Resident Evil kind of quality to it yeah. of just, like, people are saying words. Um, and there's punctuation on the screen. Um, it's not really conveying any emotion or meaning. It's kind of just like, all right, somebody said some words. Cool. And then you keep on going. Well, okay. We're, you know, regardless what I guess then what were your like kind of impressions of like the overall like story of this game? Uh, I mean, there, there isn't that much of a story, right? Like, um, it's pretty card. Son of Dracula. Um, he's, he's very handsome. He's pretty sexy. He wears a cape. Yes. Uh, he goes back to his father's castle. Um, and for some reason, uh, one of the Belmonts is there. Um, and he thinks that something is wrong. Something has taken over his dad's castle. He's trying to figure out what it is. Um, and so then you explore the castle for quite a few hours uh, you fight a lot of enemies, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, we get to the end, and there are multiple endings. <laughs> That's uh, true. And you yeah. learn what's you learn what's really going on, um, and then uh, that's that's kind of it. Depending <laughs> yeah. on what, so so there. I guess there are like uh, there's like the bad ending, right? The good ending, the great ending. Uh, which ending did you get? Did you get all of the endings? I I didn't get all of them, no. But I did. I did pretty. I did a pretty full completion. So I got. I feel like I got a, whatever like the more complete endings was. Um, so okay, so you did the bad ending where you fight uh, Richter Belmont yes. again. So I, um, yeah, I want to kind of set that up. <clears throat> um, like you said, the story it's kind of slight, and you also mentioned earlier that um, that's kind of these these whole games, which is a thing I like actually that um, it's kind of a simple story. And then the game is about exploration and it kind of just lets you go ham. <laughs> so like every, I don't, uh, really need, yeah, I don't really need a lot of like character motivation or deep uh, evolution uh, where somebody has a full change of hearts and reexamines their entire lives. I just want to go to all the different yeah. squares on the map. Like There's, that's, I just want. Yeah. How do I get all the squares? I will say uh, that's what I'm interested in. In that, in these parameters, like even without that, I think the story is good. I, I think there is some there is as long as it has like a simple and like compelling hook. I think that's good, you know. And like the gameplay is almost the story in a way. The people say that all the time, but I think that's really true here. But the thing with most. You mentioned it before, like, even the other Castlevania games, even before this one, it's always just, like, it was always, you're a Belmont, uh, this family of uh, lineage of, like, vampire killers, and, you know, they always find a reason, like, ah, oh, Dracula has been revived, and you gotta go kill him, and you just go through his castle. and Classic Dracula. Yeah. And so this, to me, was actually kind of interesting because, you know, that was even Rondo of Blood. They always find, like, a unique reason or twist on it. Um, And the twist here was that actually, you know, the protagonist, the Belmont of Rondo of Blood, um, as you come to find out, 
uh, at least in this bad ending we're presenting or, you know, part of the, not the full picture, um, is that, you know, he's defeated Dracula once again, but now he is, like, trying to revive him because, um, you know, he's a Belmont, he's, he's a vampire hunter, Dracula hunter, and now he's got nothing to do, basically, you know? Only his only reason for existence is to kill Dracula, um, and so he needs it's it's the Ouroboros. He needs Dracula yes. <laughs> there in order so, to find fulfillment in life. And so that creates um, a fun spin where um, you're now playing as. Granted, uh, Alucard was a playable character in um, Castlevania Three. You could like switch characters, but now he's like the oh. pr- protagonist of the story. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's some. Uh, there's honestly, um, after playing, going back and playing those old games, they do a really good job of tying elements of like every single game into this one. It's really cool, like the level of detail they go. But yeah, Alucard is someone they brought over from Castlevania Three, and now he's the main character, which I think is really cool. So that that kind of sets up the bad ending. Yes. Um, which. Uh- I don't know, like, did you do that one? So I did do that one. So, so slightly off topic here for a second. I did do that one because I was trying really hard not to look at any, like, strategy guides. And I really just kind of wanted to figure out everything for myself. Yes. Um, and so I did know something like, okay, at some point the castle flips um <laughs> yep. and I was I was like okay I know this is happening at some point but I don't know how to do it I don't know how to get to that point in the game so let's just kind of go through the motions um and so I did get that bad ending um and I really did not know what to do um I beat oh, him okay, and it was yeah. just like oh that's it mm-hmm. I know there's more than that and so I did have to do a little bit more exploring and get in a few other things and uh eventually uh, I figured it out where I could see. So now we're back to the story here. I could see that uh, the <laughs> Belmont was actually being controlled yes. by an evil something or other. Shaft. Um, <laughs> I yes. I, I have yes. a different journey. <laughs> I kind of want to throw in my kind of way I discovered. It. I knew there was like um, more to it. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was like you beat Richter and then there's more. But the way I kind of figured it out actually was. Um, so I, I, I feel like I discovered him like kind of early. Um, and I was like, wow, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. This, there is, there's gotta be more game after this. And I go to try and fight him and I just got completely destroyed. And I was like, oh, so I didn't know, you know, I, I, I just thought like, oh, I just haven't explored enough. So then I ended up exploring more and like finding, you know, like whatever the, you got to wear this here or whatever. Um, and that's, and that's how I like found the thing. So I, I didn't get to the point where like, I, cause I guess that's the bad ending is like, you just defeat him and it's like, Oh, you just defeat- the end. Yeah. Um, you can, I watched the, cr- the full credits like, uh, three times. Cause, uh, I got the bad ending and I was like, Oh, maybe something happens after the credits. So then I just watched all of the credits, uh, that's which good. like, Congratulations to all the people who worked on this game. You should be very proud. Uh, I'm very happy for you. Hopefully you're doing well in life. I wish you well. Um, but damn, the credits, like, after I watched them the first time, I was like, can I skip? No. 
Uh, and so I, I fought him once, and then it was credits, and it was just like, all right, that's it. I was like, I know that's not the yeah. end. Yeah, okay, so you went back in there. Um, so let me ask you this. So, so the again, I was trying to just, like, read as little as possible. I really wanted to figure it out. And so, okay, I knew I needed something. Uh, and up in the top left corner of the map is that hallway that has the spikes on the top and the bottom. I know yes. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Did you... Did you find that spike breaker armor on your own? Was that something that you came across? I believe uh, I did. Yeah. I I got so many because because right that's the whole point of the game is you get something and you're like oh maybe this can solve this uh, puzzle. Yeah. So I like I got the ability to be the bat and I was like oh yeah maybe I can fly between them. <laughs> I did nope, try you, that. You get, you to get the door. completely destroyed. <laughs> and, Oh, oh my god! It is it is painful. It is a pratfall. It is a scene in Jackass when you're in that and hall. I love the voice and, acting where it's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and you just bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce, <laughs> and then you die. Yeah, um, fucking sucks. It's a brutal game. And so you try it as the bat okay that doesn't work and there's like this closest save spot is so far away or then you like go to that the does complete suck, yeah. opposite corner of the map and like okay uh i got the ability to become the cloud of smoke let's try the cloud of smoke because <laughs> in a, a few other spots you I can are describing sort of, exactly uh, what i did yeah and so then i went all the way fucking back up there as the cloud of smoke and I get to the door, I try, nope, nope, something happens, and I hit the spikes, and then I just bounce on the spikes until I die again. Um, so and you, it was driving me insane. You I did spent look it up so, I Eventually, I had to figure out what to do, because those, those spikes, I feel like, are one of the most hidden parts of the game. Um, like, the, hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say that um, it's down in the catacombs, and you have to let that one skeleton with the exploding barrel. Uh, you have to let that skeleton get close enough to the wooden gangplank walkway and throw oh, the exploding that. barrel. Yeah. And then you, f- like, that only happens once. And that's one of those things where I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. But also, who the hell, like, figured this out for the first time? I honestly, um, I, I, I honestly figured that out. <laughs> I don't know. And that's again we've established you are the gamer. Well, I did look um, up stuff, um, but in I think it was stuff that like in a in a more modern game. And I think there I I love like the old, these older games because I do like kind of how non handholdy they are. Um, but one thing I like about um, kind of modern uh, Metroidvania game like Hollow Knight I played after this and just like. Or like it's even present in like more modern Zelda games is a feature I like is like being able to like mark on the map, um, oh. because I do you know I like I like um like a thing I'll say about like the original Legend of Zelda because it's kind of like cryptic but it's like it's actually a lot easier if you like kind of map things out and write it out which you know they kind of encourage but like this is kind of in between where sure. they they give you a really nice detailed map but um. So my issue was, you know, okay, I get the double jump and then I'm looking on the map and I'm like, oh, here are some spots where I knew I needed to double jump or I get the ability to fly. Yep. And I'm like, oh, here's some areas where I could fly. 
But I got that mist thing, which I knew, like, oh, I can go through gates. But, like, I'm looking at the map, and I'm like, where were those again? So I just, like, looked up the locations of those, because I didn't Oh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it was, like, it's hard to look at that map and tell, like, where the mist gates were. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very fair. There's no no indication on the map at any point that says use mist gates here. Um, I would always look for uh, the, the tiny little opening in each square, like if it had a connecting yeah, square, that's a good idea. I would always look for the tiny little uh, emptiness. Like it wasn't a con- if it if it was a full connected square on the map, that meant that you couldn't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it had the little opening, that okay, that meant there was somewhere I hadn't been. And so, uh, especially at the end, because I, re- I I did see to get the, like the true ultimate best ending, you have to go to every single square. Uh, which I ended up not doing. Um, okay, but, I, don't, I didn't but, do that yeah. either. I was just satisfied. I was satisfied with the ending I got. I was satisfied with the ending I got too. Uh, and I did look up the difference. Um, other than saying, like, I visited every square. And there is the one optional boss. Did you find the one optional boss? Um, what was it? The giant, like, sphinx thing? Oh, like the, yes. The... Yes, I did fight that. It was... <laughs> Uh, what was it hard? I kind of threw everything I had at it, and it, but it just like it took a lot of damage. <laughs> so you beat it? I believe so. Yeah. What was it? It did called? not. It kicked my. Uh, uh, if you if you search for Symphony of the Night secret boss, you'll find it. Okay, maybe maybe it did, but you had a hard time with it. I got my I got whooped multiple times, and then I was like, you know what? I'm pretty much done with this. Um, okay. I, I did not beat him, and I did not. So we're talking about um, uh, Gallimoth. Okay, this is good. This is good stuff right now. Yes. Oh, this. Okay, this is exactly what I was thinking of. Yes, which I believe back back to like uh, what I was saying about like tying stuff in to other games. Um, I think they had like every boss uh, of like every other game in here, and this guy was actually a boss in um Kid Dracula which was like this really like chibi looking like platformer game on I think uh the Famicom or whatever where you you play as like a little chibi Alucard but they call him Kid Dracula and uh he was like one of the bosses in that and I I know because when oh. I beat him I got a I got a trophy or whatever on PlayStation that was like you know you there was like a trophy for like each beating all of the bosses that are from a specific game, I believe. So like when I I believe I beat like all the bosses that were in like Castlevania three and like got a trophy. But I, I was very like amused that they even had like Kid Dracula in there. Like they had everything. I did really like all of the boss fights. I thought all of the bosses were really cool looking. Um, yes. And they were like challenging, but not uh, super insanely difficult or anything. Oh yeah, for sure. It was and it, yeah, this the amount they had was really cool. So when when you were doing um, when you did the secret or like the extra and um story, um, did you like this? Uh, I know you. <laughs> I really liked um that part where you go and like. F- kind of witness the uh, death of Dracula's wife of Alucard's mother in sort of like a dream world. Yes. Yes. That was really cool. And that, that really made again, like it's just kind of these like little twists 
on like a kind of you know classic or like basic story that i really liked i like that and like the tragic ending with dracula in the end where it was like sort of like it's all for nothing you know dracula (laughs) what's that lost my train of thought continue continue whatever (laughs) you were just saying well actually a little i have i have some more details about that was i believe they were actually inspired um by the 1992 adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which kind of had, really? he had kind of like the sympathetic, you know, heartbreak <laughs> tied to it, um, which I also watched last week. So I'm, I'm like really researched You're in the thick of it right now. And it's an awesome movie, but we can't talk about that right now. Do you think I saw some, f- this, this is uh, maybe just, again, a little more context here. I think I saw some recent photos of the main creator of Symphony of the Night. Um, and he looks like someone who would be watching like 90s yes. uh, oh, totally. vampire movies in 2021. He looks like, um, oh, like the Devil May Cry guy in real life. A lot of jackets and totally. sunglasses inside and necklaces and rings and well, uh, possibly multiple handguns. I have some I have some information about this guy a little bit. Um, Please, yes. So we talked about how it was, uh, you know, using a lot of elements and assets from Rondo of Blood. It was actually directed by the director of that game. Um, but during production of the game, one of its programmers, who is Ko- Koji Igarashi, who is the guy you're talking about, was asked to help okay. finish the game as an assistant director. And he, like you said, he created this game, even though he was originally just a programmer, because I think he is responsible for taking it more, even more in this direction. I think they were kind of planning that already, but I think he really you know, made it what it is. At least that's from what, okay. I, what I get from it. Because this was really actually, turned the goth aesthetic up. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and and I think um, so it, also from a game design perspective, because this this was a meant to originally be a, like a spinoff from the series, like you know you're not playing as a Belmont, and I think that gave them a little bit more license to kind of be creative, you know. Um, sure. Like sure. you said, they're more action platformer, a linear storyline, um, and this. Also, this added in, you know, non-linearity, RPG elements, um, you know, but, and it's also, oh, excuse me, um, you know, people oft, often say when they think of Metroidvania, they think this, he was specifically influenced by Super Metroid, but um, he actually also attributes um, being influenced by uh, A Link to the Past and like the way it's world oh. works of like, okay, I got this item in this dungeon and now I can use that to unlock parts of the world and and progress. So that's always a thing that's appealed to me is because that's an element I love about A Link to the Past, which is someday we'll probably do that. Absolutely will. But yeah, let so me ask you this: really he's quick. fully like I feel like he's really the guy. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Let Let me ask you this really quick. So this is he is maybe not a good example because you said he was a programmer and then he went on to be credited as the like creator of the game. But do most video game creators know how to code? Does Shigeru Miyamoto know coding and can like program a video game? Or do they just say like, I have ideas, (laughs) make this happen. I mean, it's different for everyone, obviously like, but um, Miyamoto, I believe he was originally um, 
I I believe he originally worked on like the art of like cabinets and then um the you know one day we'll cover Donkey Kong but the story was uh I I believe he was a programmer then eventually and they had um all these extra cabinets of a game that didn't sell well and they were like here you know re- reprogram this make your own game and he made Donkey Kong so yeah like yeah. a lot of those people are you know they are also you know know the programming and you know understand game design for sure okay this guy wasn't just like hey you know what's cool vampires in trench coats uh can you give him a double jump what if we give the bats sonar uh and echolocation (laughs) attacks and then he made other people do that he could realistically have programmed uh a good portion of i mean he was already working on it heavily yeah for sure Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Got because it's just uh, when you see like uh, so I watch a lot of like the gaming historian. I don't know if you're familiar with the gaming historian. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, learned a lot, uh, but when they talk about like people inventing video games, it's always just like this person had an idea. Um, it's never like oh they went to coding school in 1988, uh, which mm. really nobody did. Um, right. They yeah. never talk about that aspect of it, like. They learned C sharp. Did they like code on DOS? What are we talking about here? Like, yeah, uh, like I don't know if you know anything about coding. It is hard. No, yeah, I don't know. And like I said, I know it's different for everyone. And I, it's also like it used to be like we knew a lot less about who was working on these things because they didn't credit people who worked on the games. <laughs> so true. Uh, true, until true, true. until uh, later on, like by this time, you know, they had full credits and everything. But like early games, no. Um, we, we already talked about, you know, so the, the non-linearity, the exploration, um, was something he brought and it's kind of what this whole kind of genre is now known for. Um, I don't know if there's, is there anything else like you wanted to really touch up upon in terms of like exploring this? I mean, it's a perfect setting for it too. You know, it's like this big castle, uh, Dracula's castle. We talk about along with the exploration and just like being interested to go into these different parts of the castle. The music works so well. Uh, the music is so cool. I love yes. every theme in the entire game. Probably it works really well. Yes. So the music uh, I want to credit all these people was composed by Michiru Yamani, um, who. Uh, they, I think that was a, I believe they had like in-house composers and bands at Konami and, um, she was, I don't know if you, have you, with the thing you got, did it come with like kind of the artwork, um, that the concept art that came along with the game? Uh, I don't think so. I think this was very much just like, here's the PS1 version of the game, the end. Well, if you got, if you got a second, go over to Google and type in Ayami Kojima, Castlevania or whatever or Symphony of the Night uh concept artwork because um that Koji- the Ayami Kojima who I mentioned was the character designer for the game and pretty much you you mentioned it to the guy the you attributed it to the guy uh the director um but Kojima actually kind of defined what we kind of consider the aesthetic of cast of aesthetic yeah yeah like um I forgot kind of what the style is referred to, but it, it's very cool. It looks kind of like a classical almost painting, but it's also like kind of 
edgy and video gamey, you know what I mean? It's 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 set the tone going forward where I feel like previous Castlevanias didn't have this. But um this yep. is very stylized. I'm looking at these photos uh, and there's just yeah, here's Alucard, cape blown in the wind. Sexy like plume you mentioned. Of bats. He's very sexy. I think I think uh, like the term I looked up there there was some like Japanese term of like feminine man or something like that, you know, like this very like okay. soft look, you know. Um he, but, he does have a soft look, but you also know that he could slay he'll fuck you up. Yeah. Uh yeah, absolutely. Multiple swords. So, yeah, I believe Yamani was uh, one of the house composers for Konami and took, you know, a lot of the inspiration from, like, this artwork and and I think really matched it with the game. And, and like, the different, we mentioned, you tied it to the exploration, but, like, these radically different areas that have totally different vibes. Um, and the music, yeah, it, it, it still sounds so cool, I think. Like, I love like this era of music like they were kind of on like they had like it was like a cutting edge time for like what you could do with like console music and i believe they took like full advantage of like um if you go into it like if you look up more specific histories of like the production of this game people really go into like all the technical aspects of like the programming and the music and there's a lot of like fascinating stuff of like how this was composed but yeah like even that sets kind of the tone and they also had like old tunes that they kind of brought forward but it sounds really cool and really diverse agreed there are like legitimately multiple different genres of music yes uh and like so much wild instrumentation there's a really cool like jaunty piano thing and then uh at some (laughs) point in the in like inverse castle dungeon uh there's just like some like weird grind music like some weird death metal kind yeah, of they're straight up like uh, thrash songs in yes, there yes then there's like um, i feel like jazz and like jazz fusion in there which is so sick like some jazz parts uh and there's like the more like standard video game levels too yes. but even those are like done so well with like so orchestrally there's like dra- like a dracula's castle theme i believe it's called and like um like the early portions of this game, there's a lot of, I mentioned like the bosses, but there's a lot of areas that are just like, here's this classic area where like screen for screen looks the same as old games, but they have like those classic themes in there where it's just like, it sounds like a song where you're running from left to right. You know what I mean? With just like a pumping beat. Uh, But like, yeah, with like this whole new kind of like, I guess like rock take on it. I wouldn't even say rock, but it's just like it's got this full like drum sound that sounds so sweet with like the synths and everything. It's just like you wouldn't describe it as anything but like a video game genre song, you know? This is making me want to play the old games uh, just to like appreciate those like nuances and nods. Because like uh, like you mentioned, The Legend of Zelda does a really nice job of like here's this theme song uh and it's in almost every game final fantasy does that like here's the final fantasy theme mm-hmm. and you're just like oh shit that's that fucking song i know um and now i'm thinking like oh maybe i should go and play these other castlevania games just to like really appreciate this game even more i i really feel like you'll do that at, like it would happen and and they've got all those collections now where you can really get a lot of them out there like they're really accessible but yeah like you really yeah. feel like this has all the classics, but then, like, 
you know, this new aesthetic of like that artwork or like the thrash metal or like even just like, I don't know, even with like the enemies, because like I feel like a lot more in the classic Castlevanias, it feels more like, you know, like the I it shows through like the bosses, which all come back, obviously, but like it'd be like you're fighting a giant bat. You're fighting like a Frankenstein, you're, you know, a Medusa. It felt very like Halloween E, and then I think all this along with like that harder cutting edge like brings in like they really like I think almost every enemy if you look them up they're like based on some like mythic figure and they really have like a wide like roster of different like folklore creatures and it really gets oh. like yeah like all of them I, I I looked up most of them to be like this is like a Celtic you know folklore and like this is from this and like. You know, it's like different like religions and and all this stuff, and I feel like they just like canonize almost all of it. You know, <laughs> like regardless of whether it fits under one like actual religious canon, and I think that's really cool. But like, it gets I feel like it also gets a little bit like harder and edgier. And there's like, you know, there's like creatures that I feel like give me like cosmic horror vibes almost too. You know. <laughs> Definitely some of those. There was um, later in the game, or even uh, like. Man, at some point, there's some hallway in the game where there are these, like, weird plant people uh, that spit fire. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, In that really long hallway. And that had, like, a little shop of horrors kind of vibe to it. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I was actually, okay. I pulled up a list here of enemies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have a favorite or least favorite enemy i 1000 percent have a least favorite enemy and i fucking what's hate the least favorite so much let me find the name i i want to make sure you, the flea man i hate the flea oh, man okay. <laughs> so, he's so little and he's so fast and he's so i would love to know what sort of mythology the flea man comes from uh because he's such a pain in the ass i feel like the design he had so like i think i, I could be wrong i'm not an expert but there's in either one or three, um, there's a, a Frankenstein boss and they have like a little guy who's just like looks just like him uh, with him. Okay. But they call it I believe they call him like Igor in that, you know, so, so, so oh, it's okay. like okay. Frankenstein and Igor. But like then eventually they get changed into like Flea Man. I could be wrong, but OK, those are kind of annoying. I think you eventually get used to him and like how to kill him fucking hate those things what was your least favorite enemy um god i don't remember i feel like i i it they weren't awful but i i started to not like the guys who just like run across the screen and like leave little fire all over the place oh yeah yeah, just yeah. Like gets i hated those too i like most the enemies i think my favorite uh like of just the common enemies just because it was so awesome was the there'd be uh, those, like, zombie night guys that you'd kill, and, like, they'd scream, and, like, blood would Make come pouring. Make terrible them. noise. Yeah, they, w- they would so immediately... Sick. I think they're just called bloody zombies. Yeah, and they, yeah, they would make badass. that terrible screech. Uh, I really liked uh, the huge glowing skull that floated in the air, like the skull oh, lord, like the looked, giant skull. You know like what I'm Steve talking Austin about? t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it those were like Steve Austin t-shirts. Yeah, those were kick ass, yeah. Uh how about um, I mean, how about the bosses? Like like we we already mentioned like there's an insane roster. Um did you have like uh standout ones? 
Ooh, I'm trying to think. I thought uh, that death looked really cool. I don't remember death, death, be, death being like super challenging or anything. Um, but I did. I just thought death looked cool. I liked the when you fight like the shadow version of yourself, right? You fight shadow. Uh, yes, shadow Alucard at some points. I believe it's yeah. Called. That was like that's not like the first boss I encountered, but it is one of the early ones. And that was like a very cool set piece that stuck out to me. Where I was like, "Damn!" And that had a cool. That that's where like I really felt like I liked the combat a lot. You know, where it's like challenging, but you can kind of learn it and get better at it. You know, that felt that was a really fun boss to fight. Do you ever use the shield? Were you blocking much? So, um, we can we can talk about that for sure. Uh, actually, that's the other thing that. I wanted to mention that returned in this game. You mentioned earlier um, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, and that was like, that was kind of experimental in that instead of, that was an RPG kind of game with mechanics, and they brought those back here, where like in the previous games, it was just, you you can get like whip upgrades in a level, but otherwise, you know, you're the same kind of guy <laughs> moving through, you know, with, with minor upgrades. This brought in, you know, full RPG, you know, leveling up um, different spells, different weapons and items. Uh, and so, and, and I thought that was really cool. And my original go-to was I would have a shield and a sword, and that was really satisfying to kind of be defensive and, like, get aggressive. And then it does have a thing where um, you eventually get... A little bit more powerful, and I think the game becomes a little bit easier. I think, like, the classic Vanias uh, fans often accuse, like, these kind of games as being, like, too easy. <laughs> um, but uh, I still think there was a moderate challenge. But yeah, that was my original. But I actually eventually did away with the shield when I got... There's, like, a sword that, like, you kind of, like, magically throw around. And so, like, you throw the sword as, like, a projectile, and it comes back to you. And so what I was doing was I was throwing the sword and then I had a sword in my other hand. And while it was like flying out, I would attack with the other sword. So I was pure offense. I don't know about you. What was your, yeah, all attack. I played with it for a while for some reason. So I used the, for some reason I had it in my mind that the demon familiar was going to be so much more powerful than like the sword one. Um, So I, no, the so- the sword wasn't even a familiar. It was a uh, an equipable. There is a sword familiar, but I had a. There's like a magical sword item that you can equip. That it oh. like, you throw it and it like flies around like it's like magic almost, and it comes back. So I I actually I might have missed I might have missed this. Into- I thought you were just oh no uh, not using the term familiar because that you don't really throw that. It's there. Uh, yeah. I must have completely missed. Oh no! Yeah, uh, this was- other sword. Damn. It was so satisfying to throw, and like eventually, when you get stronger, it 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 by the end, it wasn't like the most powerful weapon I had. Um, I got a little bit better ones, but I still appreciated like the range of it, you know. So I had that. I had the sword, and then I had the demon familiar, which was fun. I also liked having the familiars, like these little guys following you around, and he had, you know, he'd be like, "That's fun. That's fun." Did you keep that on at all? I don't see why you would turn it off, you know did it was a little frustrating sometimes it was just like i don't really know what this is doing um it, it, it wasn't always like kicking ass you know 
Um, but I kept yeah. once I got him, I kept him on the whole time. Um, so I yeah, I had both the bat and the demon up to like level twenty, I think. Oh, nice. So they were on there the whole time. Uh, once I got them. Yeah, they were fun to have around. Um, yeah, overall, I liked kind of like having. The only downside, it like, it's kind of a stupid complaint, but um, I, I, you get all these equipable things, but I wish you could see them on your character. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I equip this uh, piece of gear, but like, I just look the same, and I'm like, that's that's no fun. So I did see a video where some of those things, um, like the the, um. The boots you get that make you a little taller, that <laughs> yeah. is a real thing. Yep, and I, I think like, get the those. sunglasses, uh, I, I got those boots too. The sunglasses that make you look cool, I think, like, <laughs> change color from your regular, like... Great descriptions, uh, too. In the, game. the description uh, was like, this makes you discreetly taller or something. <laughs> yeah. I did watch a video that was like, oh, this is literally, like, one pixel taller. Um, like, it was, like, mapped out by the pixel height. Um, wow. wow, that is, uh, that's fun. We're having fun with this. Um, okay. Yeah, that that is pretty fun. Did you get, uh, involved with much of the spells? Uh, I tried the spells. I could never, you're talking about, like, the, they were basically, like, the Street Fighter inputs. There was uh, that, like, they were, like, the and then inputs. there was those, which is what I was talking about, and I guess there's also, like, your different abilities that kind of all the things that like consume magic i guess oh um i mean i uh i especially at the end of the game i was the bat a lot yeah you got um, you have to in the upside down castle i feel like i also liked being the wolf a lot uh and just like especially if there's like a long stretch mm. where you could just run you could just sprint from one side to the other i like doing that um other than that, I did the smoke. Who cares? And there was one more, right? Um, something else you could turn into, or was it just those? Mm, I don't remember. I think I think those are the the major ones, though. Like when you were a bat, you eventually got like upgrades where you could like have the sonar or like shoot a fireball or whatever. But I didn't do much of those. And fireballs clunky. The sonar, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It was more utilitarian. Um, I think being the bat and the wolf. Yes, agreed. Um, but the I didn't do I don't know about you I didn't really do the combo moves either. Oh, uh, occasionally uh, I would do one on accident, and I'd be like, "Oh shit, what just happened?" Uh, but <laughs> yeah. when I tried to do one purpose, uh, it was really hard. I could I don't know if it's like my PlayStation Three controller is just old, um, but I was having a really hard time with it. It just like those were not working for me very easily. I, I think that was more of like a like that's. That was there, but it like other games inspired by this and like other Igarashi games it, it themselves too seem like they have tried to incorporate magic in other ways going forward. Because I don't think this was necessarily like you just don't. I don't know. It's not really a game where you like want to memorize combos, you know. Yes, that's like um, uh, Final Fantasy Six. Oh, what's his name? Um, the fighting guy who has the the. Uh, his like special is basically you input fighting game commands. Um, he's got the flat top. Uh, his brother's the king. You know what I'm talking oh, about, Guile. right? Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Guile. Um, yeah. 
characters. Um, <laughs> um, oh, no. Tara Sabin. That's his name. Sabin. Uh, okay. The other guy at the flat top. Power bombs the train. Okay, we're gonna have to put Final Fantasy VI on the, the list of games we play for this. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. That that's considered a classic for sure. Ever um, played it? No, no. We'll talk about that though in the next episode. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that. Um, I wanted to before I we went over the bosses, but I wanted to throw out. Um, for me, I think the most memorable boss was the one that's like the mass of bodies. Did, do you remember okay. that? So I was forgetting, because uh, sometimes it's like, hey, very clear, this is a boss. Um, but they're not always necessarily like punctuated uh, by story points, right? So I was forgetting no, no. some. So uh, the the boss that is just like an orb of human bodies. Yeah. Very cool. That's, yeah. Uh, that... Grand Falloon. Yes. It wasn't really hard, but it was so disturbed. That's, you know, back to, like, the vibe they brought with this was, like, we're we're getting edgy, and that's, I loved it. I love, I, overall, the tone of this game is awesome, I think. Love, I love, like, kind of that, like, it's edgy, it's silly, you know what I mean? But it's also, like, it takes itself seriously at the same time. I don't know, that's, that's my sort of vibe. So, that boss really kind of encapsulated that for me, I guess. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Um, I liked Beelzebub uh, as well. That was like another boss that's like, oh, this is like kind of shocking and gross. Uh, but also like, hey, we're kind of having fun. Um, yeah. yeah. What I, a, I guess what you a could horrific say, monsters. Sorry, go ahead. Just say maybe a product of like the 90s of just like, ah, we're freaking people out. Um, but yeah. to your point, it also has like the, the historical context or the uh religious context or it ha- like it's not just like uh we're putting this gross fly guy in here just cuz yeah no it's um, cool and i like i like yeah. how they go there it you know it's yeah it's cool to me <laughs> um i another another small one i want to shout out is there's like a boss where you fight like these evil versions of the other playable characters of uh Castlevania 3 um Oh, you know, oh, there's a one where you fight like evil Trevor Cipher Cipher and Grant, and uh, yes. that's just that's just really cool. Like like they got everything in this game, you know, uh, even the main characters of another game. See, again, I was appreciating this game, but I can't help but wonder would I have appreci- appreciated it more if I had all these other context clues? Well, I hope you know you're even more so appreciating it. I am right now. <laughs> um, and we didn't. We talked about the um, the like concept art and like that sort of stuff. But it, it, this ties along with the bosses really well. And and we talked about the vibe. But like, uh, I really like just like from a more like a more technical perspective the way it mixed in, um, like three D and and two D and and it really, it really was cool how how they did that. You know, it was like. Especially in this era where it was like, it was like everything had to be, we had to start making 3D games. And like, instead, I feel like they, with, along with the music, like they kind of took advantage of all the like technical things they had access to, to make just like a really cool game. And they didn't like force it to be a 3D game or anything like that. 
And I do see that as like one of the primary talking points about this game is that like, hey, everything else at this time was uh, 3D and sort of open world in a different way. And and the people who made this game were just like, nope, uh, we're not doing that. Like we're, we're going to take some of that idea, uh, but we're going to keep this very much a 2D game. And right, the reason we're talking about this game today instead of uh, like Bubsy the Bobcat <laughs> or whatever is because like oh they made the right move and this like still holds up so well this still looks really yeah. cool. I think uh, the as things, opposed to, I think there are things people would look at and like like idiots would look at and go like oh this looks old like you know like it is it is kind of jarring but in a cool way of like you're in a room but then there's like this crazy 3D stuff happening and you know like the way the elements mix they kind of like clash but to me it like creates a really cool aesthetic i think you're in the library and those books come out at you yeah uh, and they're chasing you that's that's cool um i do think and this might be a topic for a little bit down the road i think part of the reason that you and i like this game so much and i'm assuming a lot of the people who like this game are roughly our age or older is because it does have that like like everything about this game is nostalgic even though i never played it before like oh, when i think sure. about old games i'm like oh yeah they look like this even though a lot of the old games that i'm thinking of don't necessarily mm-hmm. look like this i'm just like yep this like scratches that itch perfectly of nostalgia of what i remember video games being when i was a kid again even though i never played this before yes i feel um, i i mentioned it to you over text but i i almost have like a, a boomer brain about like video games and movies a little bit and in the soul like you know now that there's like it's so easy to do things that were not easy to do before but like the trade-off i feel like a lot of times is th- there's plenty of an amazing films and video games now that blow me away um, but I think the more average case is like, you don't see the craft on screen as much. I just don't think, you know what I mean? So you think with this, you're seeing more of the craft of I video think games. You see you- the craft you see. So actually one, one research thing I researched talked about how this was, this is kind of sad, but this was actually the last hurrah for a lot of the like best like 2d like sprite artists in video games this and and i think you see that i think it's pretty beautiful what they do um and that's kind of sad because things went different way but this was also um a launch pad for people who would go on to have great careers in like 3d uh animation and sometimes i i feel like the the difficulty of doing these things i don't know i just think it's a lot easier to see like the work that went into it i i have a another comparison point actually it's kind of off topic but there's this um old movie called uh forbidden planet a sci-fi movie from the 50s i believe starring leslie nielsen and okay, th- okay. there's there's a monster in this that is it's mostly invisible but there are times where it does appear and the way um that they convey it is like it's sort of like they're like hitting it with lasers and it's kind of like coming into like you can kind of see it but like what the way it's the that they have it on screen is that it's actually like an animation that they do over top uh like it's like literally just animation over top of the live action footage they showed 
and it looks amazing, I think. And of course, you can tell what it is. Like you can, it's like you can see the strings. I'm bringing another metaphor in, but you can see the strings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's there's something about that 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 I feel like I can see the craft. It's the same, <laughs> to me, it's the same thing as like watching a movie now that's like no one did anything and it's kind of done on a computer compared to watching a movie where um, someone perform someone, they filmed someone performing something, you know what I mean? So that's my kind of, I, it's kind of all these loose things that I'll connect, but I just like, I like being able to tell that like someone put some heart and soul into it a little bit, which can, it certainly happens now, but I feel like, um, it's a lot easier for that to not happen, if that makes sense. I would agree. I would agree. I think uh, there, there's something to be said for, yeah, like uh, a passion coming through as just opposed to like, oh, we know that this is like what things should look like. And so we're going to kind of do them yeah, oh, based totally, off yeah. of like uh, what the market demands or whatever. Yeah. I was going to say on the topic of passion. Something that this game reminded me of and then I utilized in the plane of this game was game FAQs. Did you use okay. game FAQs at all? Um, for th- this, I, I think to look up those gates. But like, yeah, I used that a lot back when I was a, a kid. That that's the nostalgia, I, yeah. Yes, something I hadn't thought about in a really long time was game FAQs. And I do think there's something to be said for like even the passion and the hard work. This might be a little bit of a stretch if we're talking about passion. Um, but the ability to, like, write all of that information down uh, and think, like, I'm going to put this on the Internet in 2001 and or you, whatever. You open it up and, like, through, like, text, they've made, like, the logo of the game. Yes! I was just about to say, what is that? <laughs> A-S-C-I-I? A-S-C-2? Something A-C-I-I. like that, yeah. I never knew how to pronounce that word. But that, do you know how to pronounce that word? Um, uh, that like to make the logo of the game as it appears when you turn on the Super Nintendo, making that as like the cover of your game FAQs page. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. That is how you know it's high quality. <laughs> like someone put their blood, sweat, and tears into that guide because those guides have appendixes and updates and edits and now, uh. It- it fucking sucks now if you <laughs> here's the boomer brain again but like you go to IGN or like you go to um if you're going to like a, a like any wiki that's on fandom which is like all of them now and like a million I, ads I, pop up and you're like fuck how do I close this and you're like <laughs> it's like it sucks so much now <laughs> I just miss it opening up a uh, game FAQ MFQs is still there those things are still preserved uh, I I can remember, and I did it while I was playing Symphony of the Night. I looked for like the best rated guides, uh, and then you'd look to see if there were like, oh, here's a guide that's just for cheats or a guide that's just for secrets. Um, did you ever try and print off an uh, a page from game FAQs, like a game yeah, guide? Oh, yeah, yeah, They're huge. They're fucking gigantic. Uh, in in the nightstand drawer of my parents' guest room, where I stay when I visit, there is a three-ring binder that is full of pages I printed off of game FAQs for Harvest Moon 64. I printed off, like, dozens and dozens of guides, uh, and then I would three-ring bind them together. Uh, 
because I didn't even have like consistent wow. internet in 2000. <laughs> um, I would just like, all right, I'm going to print these off and then I'm just going to go through That's it. That's beautiful. Uh, if you were lucky enough to keep the page up, you could like search for a keyword. Um, otherwise, you really had to just like skim through <laughs> each section, each chapter, each level. Um, and, and whoever wrote those spent a lot of time writing them. Like, I hope those people do that as a career now because that had to take so much time. Yeah, I'm sure some of them. Well, it yeah, you you see, I've seen where some of those people have ended up, and yeah, I think that's cool. That could be could have been a launch pad of its own, <laughs> or or at the very least, right? There has to have been like the first person. So the I looked it up, the skeleton ape or ape skeleton, the <laughs> the enemy that throws that barrel that explodes the gangplank. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, right. If you didn't use Nintendo power. Um, and you didn't use game FAQs, there had to have been someone, or maybe there wasn't a game FAQs yet, there had to have been someone who figured that out for the first time. That's one of my favorite things to think about, is someone who, like, discovered this thing for the first time, and, like, Be how the, the fuck person you at even, school. How do you figure these things out? <laughs> um, yeah. We, we, people had a lot more patience back then, you know? And I, I do think there's things, um... Yeah, there's certain things about old game design, tying it back to the design that, that like don't hold up in certain old games. Um, but I also think um, there's a lot of things that I I miss and appreciate about these older style of games that you I think you see come back in a lot of games inspired by it. So um, I'm glad, and I'm glad I'm glad to have seen kind of a resurgence of games that kind of ask a little bit more of you, you know? I mean, I was going to say, there's a whole, um, like, demographic of video game people, just like us, roughly our age, that like the same things that we like. Uh, and you do see so much of, like, that in popular indie games now. Uh, whether it's, like, gameplay or aesthetics or music or graphics. Um, there's definitely a lot of people who are on the same page and just like, yep, I just like video games from this time period. Even even the Devil May Cry guy, uh, I'm sorry, what is his name again? Igarashi. Koji Igarashi. Igarashi. Koji Igarashi made a game, um, right? He Didn't he just put out a game that's just basically um, a yes. new version of Blood, Symphony? Bloodstained, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, yeah. Uh, and that yeah. also had Yamani doing the soundtrack. And and um, so it, it, that game actually feels a lot. I played a little bit of it. It does feel a lot like Symphony of the Night. It feels really good. Um, again, it tried to do something different with the magic. Um, but yeah, it's in a lot of ways, it's sort of derivative. But I sort of get it, too, of just like, this is his first game away, like, He's just going to make like he's just going to make the thing he makes, you know, I think that's cool. But I I am curious. I would be curious to see um, him making, you know, something that's a little bit more like, you know, more like a new direction or something, you know, but but keep a lot of like his game design philosophy, you know. I haven't played it. I, I can't say if it's good or bad. I'm just saying uh, even he. Uh, the man who made this game in 1997 or or helped make this game is like, yeah, you know what I want to do 20 years later? I want to do something like this. I want to kind of do this yes. exact game again. Yeah, and we mentioned, yeah, we definitely mentioned a lot of the games that 
have carried on that legacy. Hollow Knight, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, so that, I mean, we'll talk about the, we've already basically hit on kind of the legacy of this game. It was, it was critically acclaimed. Um, eventually it was a sales hit. And at that, this point, yeah, along with Metroid, it defined like a whole genre of games, which is kind of cool because it was at first just like looked at as like a experimental spinoff. But in, and I think that has a lot to do with why it's so memorable and so stuck around because it was like instead of you know, not to take away anything from the other Castlevania games, but like actually, I think Super Castlevania. Uh, that you mentioned, and there was another one at that time uh, that they were just retellings of Castlevania 1. And so, (laughs) you know, even though there's a lot of fans of those games and they're perfectly fine, like, you know, this was was a cool breakaway into, like, doing something new. And it, to me, it has the mark of, like, what, of what I think makes, like, kind of a great work of art is, like, all these elements we've talked about really work in tandem with each other like you can't really talk about one thing without the other and you know you know i think a lot of times when people analyze video games as an art form they really just focus on the story and they kind of leave out the element that like it's a video game and you play it you know and it yeah i don't know i just think everything in this game it it's a really um whole <laughs> piece of work i guess uh... It's a, it's a perfectly balanced soup or stew. Yeah, it's a good uh, stew. Just like blended together so well, and you just want to get maybe like a bisque because it's all blended together, and every bite has all of the flavors in. Let's go with the bisque. It's a good bisque. Um, it's it's really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. I mean, I feel like we covered pretty much everything. Do you have any uh, anything else you wanted to get out? Of? Out of the way about this game. Anything you wanted to say? Really quick, really quick. What was your what was your go to accessory weapon? Oh, the yeah. Of course, we didn't mention that. Um, which is that's a that's a classic that's been since the first Castlevania game. It's kind of weird, but you get you know a secondary weapon that you hit up <laughs> and attack to use, and it uses uh, hearts. Um, and my go to was the book that flies around. Yes, uh, I think that was the Christian Bible. Um, <laughs> Fuck yeah! That was also mine. Um, that's that's the best one. Um, I'm trying to. Th- Sometimes I would use the stopwatch. I think before oh, I that found was the crucial Bible, in some rooms. Yeah, I used the stopwatch. Uh, I didn't like the knife that much or the diamonds. Um, I never used the the like full screen cross very often. That one uh, uses a lot of magic or a lot of hearts. Yes. Um, I did not like so like if you uh, discover a new secondary weapon and you just walk over it you automatically get it did not like that mechanic well Um, let me tell you in previous games you would get it and the old one would just be gone so you might appreciate this more that you actually have an option to go oh no I want that one you know sometimes it flies away or something but Typically, you kind of could always have the one you want on. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm so, really glad so, you mentioned so I that. I do, do like that more than what you're describing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I like, how could we talk about Castlevania without that? 
I mean, I'm I'm trying to find a list of all of these. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't use like a lot of the bombs and the shooterkins and that sort of stuff. Um, that's that's where I really... if I hit a boss like that big guy we talked about, I just unloaded, just used everything I ah, had on him. Okay, okay, that's, sure. That's kind of how this uh, game is kind of easy because you just find a lot of that stuff. You can buy them. And, you know, so if there's, you can get better at a lot of the bosses, but if you want, you can just be like, fuck you, <laughs> you know, and blow them up. <laughs> um, I get, yeah, maybe I should have used more of those. Um, I did like the meal ticket. I thought that was like a fun little kind of play yes. on like the, instead of just finding a random ham or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Another fun. classic Castlevania thing. There's, there's a wall you can break in this. There's a lot of wall meat, but that's a classic in the in the original ones. You would you wanted to know the spots where you could break the wall and find meat because you you needed all the health you could get. But this this one there's one particular spot that was always like memorable to me as a kid as having that wall meat. And then I go there in this one and it's there and I'm like, that's the same wall. Same wall meat all these years later. Yep. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think hey, uh, I, I think we pretty much covered it all, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean uh, I had a great time. Again, um, I just like uh, from okay, really quick. Uh, from the moment I picked up this game, I had like again that nostalgia for something I never experienced before, um, and I was like in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, you would get this from the video rental store. It would be so exciting. I love me a good video rental store. Um, you could beat this in a the- weekend. Which I think yeah, is yeah. another thing that needs to come back <laughs> in games. Um, did you see the death screen very often? Yeah, totally. So um, I was convinced. Let me see if I can find it here really quick because I want to. Uh, I want to make sure I quote it right. It's got that like weird thing in the sand, like the the skeleton in the desert. Yeah. Uh, or I guess the castles in the distance, but. Okay, okay, so it says, let us go out this evening for pleasure. The night is still young. Yeah. Uh, every time I saw this game over screen, I was interpreting this as some sort of, like, uh, wink and a nudge, like, Touch hey, grass. you're a nerd. Uh, <laughs> get off the couch. You could still do so much more with your day than play this game. Meanwhile, it's, like, one in the afternoon on Saturday in August, uh, and I'm just like, nope, I'm going to keep playing Castlevania. Um, no, yeah. But, Every time but, I died, I was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to beat this. That's what they had to have been implied with that, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a sweet quote. Castlevania has a lot of sweet, memorable quotes. We, you know, we didn't talk about what is a man, um, but even other games have, like, I one that always sticks out to me is Castlevania 2. There's, like, the... What is it like? What a terrible night for a curse or something. There's just a lot of cool, yeah, little quotes that you know would make good like song titles or something. You know, this I'm saying one this one specifically. It what, feels what's mean. that expression? Has to be taken the piss. Uh, oh, this one sure. specifically has to be like a to your point, like, hey, go touch grass. Like, uh, I I read it that way every time. I could uh, inter- also interpret it as like try again. You know. Sure, sure. I could see that too, because you're a vampire and you kill for pleasure. Um, okay. I was just really seeing this every single time. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is kind of like a mean-spirited game. 
Uh, no, and then the more I know about it's the, got a lot of heart. the Devil May Cry guy, like that guy is like, He's, yeah, he makes video games for a living, but he seems like he would make, maybe make fun of people for being nerds. Um, no, I think he, he loves the fans. I think. Maybe, maybe I'm way off base here. Um, why don't, um, well, that's, that's good, right? So why don't you, how about you tell us what we're doing next? So next, whenever the next one of these comes out, this is gonna take uh, a we're going to be talking, it's going to take a while to play, but whenever the next one of these comes out, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII. Yes, another, um, PlayStation <laughs> game. We'll probably do a lot of PlayStation games, but, uh, I know you've, you've played this before, right? So. We'll have you have you have some familiarity. I I'll, I have a I have a history with it too, but I'll we'll get into it more next time. But I have been playing it, so I'm pretty excited to talk more about that one. The next episode of the video games, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Exactly. So we're letting you know, so you have time to play along. You didn't have time for this one, but it takes. We should have said this at the beginning, but the game's like 10 hours, so um, you could you could beat it quickly. But Final Fantasy VII, it's probably like what? It's probably like a 30-hour game? That's 35 hours, probably. Okay. The one thing I, I, I will say, uh, again, I spent a lot of time with these video games now. I want to, I want to, at the very least for myself, have some like, oh yeah, look how much time I invested into this. Uh, but when you die in Castlevania, it goes back to the save your most recent save spot. So I feel like it doesn't really accurately capture how many hours I really oh, spent on this. That's fair. That's totally true. Um, I think it said I beat the game in eight hours, and I know I played way, way, <laughs> oh, way, yeah. way more than eight hours. I saw the death screen more than a few times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. I think so. I'm I'm pretty excited to get to the next one. Thanks for having me, Goo. I'm excited to see <laughs> what you learn about Final Fantasy VII. I'm excited to to wax poetic, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening to Video Games, the podcast. Yeah.